everyone, and welcome to Hatchling. This is the podcast about the business side of art and how to start making money off of something you love doing. Now, it's kind of ironic that I'm giving advice on that because this podcast is something that I love doing and I'm making no money off of it, but it's still really fun for me to do. So I'm going to keep doing it. I did take a little bit of a break because I was very overwhelmed with my actual business that allows me to pay my rent and such. But now I've got a little bit more free time, so I'm very excited to bring you an episode. In this one, I'm going to be responding to some great questions about dealing with clients. And then after that, I've got a little interview with someone who does a lot of different things in art. He's studied art, he does private commissions, and he also does fine art framing. On top of that, he does music, ceramics. I'm going to talk to him about balancing all that out financially, emotionally, logistically. Here are some questions from Christy. Hi, Brian. Could you cite some of the lessons you learned from your early days of dealing with clients? What kind of boundaries do you now set? And what are your thoughts concerning being flexible versus being taken advantage of? Thank you. These are some great and really important questions because you really never stop dealing with these. You never stop getting taken advantage of either. That's because most people don't understand the value of art. They literally don't know how much time it took you to get good at your craft before even beginning to make money. They don't see all those years you put into just practicing and practicing and practicing and doing another job or being in school. Your clients don't even realize how difficult it is to make art because they haven't tried it themselves probably. Most adults haven't done a drawing since grade school. So keep that in mind when you talk to people about how much your drawings are worth. Of course, it's not just the skill that goes into your work. You might be done practicing, you might be ready to start working, you've developed your skills enough, but you still need to spend hours finding clients, communicating with them, figuring out their budgets and timelines. Then you'll need to find reference images, which can actually take quite a long time, especially if you're gonna run them by the client and get approval first. When you add up all that time spent planning out the commission, waiting for feedback or direction, you realize that the actual art making is just a small part of the process. And I'm not saying that being a professional artist is this big logistical headache and there's no fun to it and it's not creative and it just beats the creative spirit out of you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that you need to factor that all into your cost. There's a lot of time to make art, but when you're not making art, you still need to be making money. So most of the issues I've had with clients result from them not understanding my side of the equation. They don't know what's going on in my life and what it takes to make whatever it is they're commissioning. They might feel like I'm taking too long or asking for too much money from them. And the solution is to communicate way more than might feel comfortable at the beginning. As with any relationship, it's tempting to just assume that you're on the same page and you want the same things, but be aware that you're bringing your own assumptions to the table. So for example, you might imagine that the client would love to see whatever you come up with, just go off on your own, follow your creative instincts, while they might be thinking, I expect the artist to send me status updates, to send me works in progress, to make sure it's in line with my vision. Or they might assume that edits are included in the original price if you didn't tell them that, whereas you were thinking that you were gonna charge extra for any additional time you put in after that first draft. That's where a lengthy conversation and potentially a contract will come in. I remember about a year ago when I was just starting to take commissions, I was having trouble with a client. I was talking to a friend about it who was actually an artist herself. And she asked me what my contract was like. 
And she was really surprised to hear that I had never used a contract before. So I vowed in that moment, I told her that I would be way more organized in the future and I would start using contracts to prevent any client drama. Yet here I am, I make my living off of art and I can probably count on one hand how many of the hundreds of commissions I've gotten have involved a contract. These are larger corporate clients that literally require a contract for you to do work with them. In general, you're working with individuals or small businesses. And I've found in my experience, now don't take this and run with it, but if someone cares about art enough to pay an artist to do it, not just go online and find some stock image, they really care about art and they sought you out because they like your work in particular, then they value art. They think it's important. And those are people that I trust. They've rarely disappointed me in the past. Honestly, I've never not been paid for a commission. I have been paid late. I have had to follow up a bunch over email. I've, I have been a little bit stressed about it, but they've always paid me. If you, unlike me, are an organized person and you're fine doing a little bit of planning in advance, then totally do a contract for your gigs. If that's something that you think you'll be able to do on a regular basis and keep up with, then you're awesome and you'll probably have a much easier go of it than I have. I just find it simpler to do the commission and collect the money and leave it at that. I will say though, there is one thing you absolutely need to start doing if you haven't yet. You need to take a deposit at the beginning before you start working. That weeds out anyone who can't or won't or doesn't want to pay you and ensures that even in the worst case scenario, if the person just disappears off the face of the earth, you've still earned a bit of cash. So I take 50% before starting, and then I take 50% upon completion, maybe before I mail it out to them or before I email them the final file. And that's the extent of my typical contract. Just recently though, things have started to change for me because I've been in talks with some agencies, some illustration agencies, and how that works is that the agency would seek out clients for me so I don't have to field any emails or write to people myself. And they would manage my commissions, they would collect the money and pay me, and then they take a percentage of the payment. I wrote to a lot of agencies before I heard back from any of them, and I think only a very small percentage of the ones that I wrote ever wrote back to me. It's super competitive, and I waited for years before I gathered the confidence to do it because honestly, I didn't feel like my style was developed enough. I didn't feel like I had a clear voice. I hadn't done a lot of big commissions in the past. You kind of have to do those on your own first before proving to an agency that you're capable of doing it for them on a regular basis. So basically any future jobs that go through my agency will involve a contract, but fortunately I will not have to deal with any of that myself. To wrap things up here, I will tell you a few red flags that I look out for whenever I've got a new client. One, if someone is really slow with email at the beginning of the project, I don't trust that they'll get back to me about edits and payment further down the line. Two, if someone gives me very little guidance and says they'll love anything I draw, I do not believe it anymore. What they really mean is that they love all my past work, which they had no personal connection to. They didn't pay for it. It's totally different when they're commissioning it and paying for it with their own money. Their expectations will be a lot higher. So I keep that in mind and I make sure we're really on the same page before finishing the drawing. Three, sometimes people write to me about a commission they'd like. At the very end of the message, they'll say something like, I'd even pay you for it as though that's some sort of bonus on top of, on top of the joy I'll get from just making their art for free. Like I can just survive off of my passion. Yeah, those people have a budget of like $30 and they'll make a big fuss about it if I ask them for more than that. Four, if someone asks for something that's not my usual style, 
this happens to me sometimes, like they want a cartoon logo or they want a painting even. I've gotten myself in situations like this before. They've always led to hours and hours of extra work while I try to figure out a new medium, but I'm on a deadline. So you only want to take on projects that you're clearly the right artist for, and everyone will be happier with the outcome. So those are my tips for avoiding stress and disappointment as you take on commissions. You'll learn all these lessons over time, so don't worry about it too much. You'll learn a lot more that I'm not telling you to, not because I'm trying to keep it from you, but because everyone's situation is different. And when you do get screwed over by clients, which will happen, I guarantee it, it's a chance to improve your planning process, to improve your communication skills, to maybe change your expectations, or to expand your own list of red flags to look out for. And then things get easier over time as you figure these things out. You get better at drawing, you get better at negotiating, you get better at naming prices, and it's smooth sailing. Not in the beginning, but trust me, you'll get there. So first, can you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Hi, I'm Zan Peters. I have my BFA from Montana State University in studio arts, specifically in oil painting, and a minor in museum studies. Long-term career goals, I'd like to be a scientific illustrator. Currently, I'm working uh, at a custom framing shop, doing a fine art and photography framing currently enrolled in a uh, grad school program that will start in September in Florence, Italy. Whoa, that's really exciting. Wait, what's that for? That'll be for my master's in fine arts. And that's for painting as well? Yeah, I um, believe I'll continue painting, although there's uh, there's a lot of other mediums I'd like to get back into while I have, you know, access to the studios again. Yeah, so it seems like you're doing a lot of different things. I stalked you a bit online. You've got some ceramics going. You do music, of course. You're playing <laughs> later tonight, I've heard. Uh, yeah. I think it's actually pretty common for artists to be musicians as well. I've, I've heard of people using their art career to launch their music career because apparently it's easier to make it in art, which is what I found because I tried for a few years to make it in music and it was just impossible. <laughs> It's, um, there's a lot of very talented people out there and that is, you know, and in, in, in when you're in any creative field, I think everybody, as soon as you're in the creative world, you're aware of how many people out there that are very talented that you're, for lack of a better word, competing against. Yeah. And it's really hard to not look at those people and just feel like you should give up. <laughs> yeah. I, um, when I, uh, I'm currently living in uh, Florida, but I moved here from Montana last summer. I drove here and on the way, um, I stopped in Nashville with a, a friend of mine and, you know, we just like did the Broadway bar scene at night and we're just walking in every one of these bars and every one of these bars, because it's Nashville, has a incredibly talented band playing and I'm looking at them and I'm like there are just so many musicians and I'm a drop in the bucket yeah and when I get overwhelmed in that way whether it's visual art or music I just try to remind myself that maybe I have a unique voice or I have something to say from my life and maybe my gift to the world isn't just technical skill because that's where you get in the mindset of like I'm I'm too far behind I've started too late I'll never catch up Right now, what is the general breakdown of your activities? Like, what is the percentage of time that you devote to framing versus painting versus music or whatever else you do? So right now, uh, just with 
sort of having to set money aside for grad school and stuff, not spending as much of my time painting. Most of my waking hours are working at my other day jobs, which has been challenging since I, I want to create, create, I want to be making things, I want to be keeping my studio practice going since, you know, that's, that's sort of what was, uh, what I kept hearing from people who, you know, graduated with studio arts, they're like, keep your studio practice going. It's so hard to start again. So, you know, I'll have a couple commissions going a month that I'll work on at night. But um, otherwise, it's been, you know, going to the uh, the frame shop during the day, and that's a 10 to 530 job. And then on the weekends, doing that as well as working at a, a used bookstore where I, uh, have some work up as well. And then there's time to uh, devote to music scene and going to open mics and trying to socialize with other musicians and put bands together. <laughs> so do you feel like the time that you're spending working just in a sort of traditional job, although it is kind of art adjacent, do you feel like that makes it harder for you to make art in the rest of your time like does it drain you or does it kind of enhance that and make you feel more creative when you do have the time yes and no I get when I when my schedule starts to get full it motivates me to pack it with as much as possible and then you know when I have a day off god am I productive I'll get up run early in the morning and then try to plot out uh, something to paint that day On the other hand, you know, there's just so many days where I do come home uh, from work uh, and I'm just exhausted. And if I'm too tired and I start making my art, it's not going to look very good. And then I'm going to just frustrate myself because I'm, you know, my brain's just not on all the way. You mentioned something uh, in Hatchling about, you know, being at your day job and all you're doing is thinking about things you could be making. And I, I do identify with that, certainly at work, thinking what I could be using this time for, what I could be making, projects I, I, I would like to be working on. It's a good motivator in one respect, but also it is making art is a full-time job. Well, I think a lot of people struggle with the transition from working and doing art to just doing art for that reason, because because there is something about having a job that takes up all your time and that makes you feel anxious to work that makes it possible for you to be hyper productive in your free time because it's like because you just have a limited amount of free time and you've been thinking about doing art for much longer than you actually have to do it and so all that creative energy goes into that time and then you might start doing calculations like oh well if I only had three hours off and I did two paintings, then if I have an eight hour work day, you know, I could get all this painting done all the time. But then when you actually are faced with consistently one day after another with nobody telling you what to do and no schedule, you get so little done if you're not careful yeah, about I, it. Um, before I was working at the frame shop, I was working in this uh, ceramic studio. And when I first got the job, I was so excited because, oh my gosh, I'm right out of school and I've got a job that's, again, art adjacent. I'm not going to starve trying to make art. It was not a super serious job. The pay wasn't great. But d- doing that job, I eventually was like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm getting uh, some steady commissions. I bet if I cut down to maybe working here three days a week, I could do so much with those four days. And it worked for a little bit, and then um, sometimes I would just find myself doing nothing for three of the days. <laughs> and being like, ah, oh, 
maybe okay maybe maybe I should maybe I should be working until until I know exactly what I'm doing until I know how exactly to find clients better and how to find clients consistently but is that something you want to do in the future like do you want to be a full-time you said scientific illustrator would you do that in addition to another job or you want that to be your career I would like that to be my career I I've gotten to do it seasonally in the past and um that was that was such an immersive job where for two months basically I was waking up every day and painting all day that is the dream I'm you know searching for a place where I can be doing that full time it must have been such a relief Mm -hmm. to finally find something that really felt right yeah it it really is when it's very validating it's uh, when when you suddenly enter an environment where people value what you make. So do you feel like you do well without having an authority figure telling you what to do all the time? Or do you feel like you kind of need a balance, like you need some direction? That's one thing I've wrestled with a lot is trying to figure out. Um, on one hand, you know, that was a, that was a situation where I, I did not have set work hours. And yet I was still getting up early and still acting like an adult like using my time productively not you know disappearing for hours for lunch or something but on the other hand it wasn't necessarily a job where I had a tremendous amount of responsibility I was in charge of of painting and art and art classes and stuff in that sense I had you know responsibility but I wasn't doing anything necessarily administrative I want to believe that I I have that self-discipline Is there any advice that you wish you'd gotten when you were just starting out with your art and advice that you think would have really helped you find direction in your career? I think it would be, don't be afraid to ask how something's done. There was some stuff that I sort of just immediately figured out with art by myself. Then I went to college and there were a lot of people that had taken more classes and stuff. So, um... In some respects, people were a little ahead of me in uh, stuff like drawing and painting, which I wasn't even uh, into 2D yet when I first got into college. I was, you know, doing uh, ceramic sculpture. I think I was kind of intimidated by a lot of it, and I never thought to ask, how do you draw well? How do you paint well? That just feels like the ultimate thing to, like, admit, you know, I'm in this painting class and I've never had a painting lesson before. I think that comes up with a lot of artists because you can't become a professional artist in every single medium. It's just not possible. And so when I started my career in art, so when I really started to make money, I stopped doing a lot of the other things that I like to do. Like I did some watercolor, some oil painting. I've also done some sculpture and some ceramics in the past. And I stopped doing all that because it, it costs money and I wasn't making money from it. And I needed to really refine one technique. And now here I am like this authority on my one very specific medium and the technique within that medium and then the subject matter within that technique within that medium. And then I'm asked to do something that's outside of my comfort zone or that's in a different medium. And I feel like a complete beginner and I feel like I can't sit with that feeling because I'm so used to just just feeling like I've done it a million times before. And so I know a lot of artists who struggle with feeling simultaneously like an expert and a novice. I know, yeah. I God, I've I've done I've done artist workshops and you know, there is like just that 
I don't know, there's this just split second where, you know, you have people watching you expectantly and, you know, you're up there with uh, your newsprint and you start sketching and you're like, oh, oh God, am I, am I good, good enough at this to be showing them how to do this? I have to say, I only do workshops once every six months or year or so because I need mm-hmm. time to forget how anxiety provoking <laughs> it was because I, oh my God, I'm thinking about it right now and I'm just, I'm breaking out in a sweat. It's like, oh no. it's so scary that moment you're sitting with a blank page mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, I guess we're starting. I guess, I guess it's happening and everybody's silently staring at you yeah. expectantly and oh, yeah. you just have to start and every line you're doing you feel like somebody in the audience thinks is wrong which they're mm-hmm. not but it just oh it's it's so stressful it it can be i um uh last last year i did this uh, i said i want to teach a, a community art workshop i bought like 20 student easels i bought tons of uh, newsprint pads and supplies for uh, people to use and then one person shows up. So I like quickly like tried to repackage it. I made it into walk-in art classes that like I just I just put all these signs everywhere. I put them in the the one bar in town. I put them, you know, just on the doors and everything in the museum. Just walk in and for any amount of time I'll teach you art. Honestly, like that rapid fire, just that repetition of doing that, a, you know, a few times a day, just quick art classes and stuff. It's I've reached like this weird point where I can I can be a very awkward person, but like I I can hit this comfort zone. I love that story. It reminds me so much of when I used to be a street musician. I played in the New York subways, and before that, I had so much stage anxiety. And every time I went up there, I remember like my legs would shake so much that my instrument would be shaking on my knees. After just playing thousands of songs over and over again for people who did not care. It's like you can't be nervous again after that because you've just done it so many times and you've seen every possible outcome from people loving your music to hating it to not paying any attention. And I think that's just a lesson for artists. Just do it over and over again. And anytime you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself, just remember that this is one out of a hundred things that you're going to do that are stressful and you'll have plenty of time to figure it out. Oh, yeah. I... Like like you were saying, you know, people that are creative in one field, a lot of times they gravitate towards being a musician as well and like some sort of performance. And like it doesn't necessarily always jive with the awkward, quiet artist image that I think a lot of a lot of people I know have, you know, just a lot of artists I know are very, you know, quiet, kind of uh, reserved, introverted people. But I don't necessarily stress anymore about like, oh, I messed up that that song I I played that people were half paying attention to but you know I still like think about something weird I said in a conversation like two weeks ago and it still like haunts me (laughs) it's good to know that even if you resolve your anxiety within your career it still sticks with you in your personal life oh yeah (laughs) oh no no there's always something there's always something you'll be anxious about but you know I guess you can you have a little bit of control over what you can uh, channel it into Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of Hatchling. All your ratings and reviews help so much. They help with the algorithm. They help with my motivation to keep making this show. So I really appreciate that. 
I'll be back soon with a new episode with more tips, advice, interviews, whatever will help you on your journey to make money off of your art. So thank you again for listening and I hope you have a wonderful week.